receive these words from the Gospel according to Luke, the sixth chapter, beginning in the 28th verse. Now, about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up to the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. Just then, a man from the crowd shouted, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son. He is my only child. Suddenly, spirit seizes him, and all at once he shrieks. It convulses him until he foams at the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, You faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon dashed him to the ground in convulsions. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And all were astounded in the greatness of God. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for this beautiful day and for the ways that you continue to move in among and through us to do things that care for one another, for the planet, for the good of all. I pray that in this moment you would send spirit to move in and through me, that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart might honor you and encourage all of us who yearn to receive a word from you this day. I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. It is common on Transfiguration Sunday for preachers to focus on what the disciples experience at the top of the mountain, the way that Jesus's face and clothes dazzlingly change, and the appearance of Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus about his upcoming departure, or his exodus is the Greek word for departure, which, by the way, can mean leaving or death. But today, I want to focus on the next part of the story, the part about what happened when they'd come down from the mountain. Evidently, while Jesus was busy praying and preparing for his exodus, a man brought his son to the disciples who'd remained in the valley, desperate that the disciples should save the child. 
but they couldn't do it. And when Jesus came down and found out that the disciples had failed to care for the child, was, to put it lightly, disappointed. And he was disappointed in a way that may sound harsh to us. After all, the disciples of Jesus aren't Jesus. I've often heard that it's not fair to say that we, you and I, should be expected to live, love, or serve like Jesus. Since, after all, Jesus had that whole fully God, fully human thing going for him. But I believe that's a cop-out. Because Jesus was clear that his disciples were to follow directly in his footsteps. At the beginning of the chapter that we heard from today, it says this, Jesus called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And then what happens next, when more than 5,000 people who'd gathered to hear some good news and to receive healing, when that crowd got hungry, the disciples wanted to send them away. And Jesus said to the disciples, you feed them. And in the chapter following the one we read from today, at the very beginning, Jesus appoints 70 more disciples to go out and proclaim the kingdom of God and heal. Recently, as part of my spiritual practice for Black History Month, I've been drawing inspiration from the rather dazzling wisdom of Marion Wright Edelman, human and children's rights activist, founder and president emerita of the Children's Defense Fund, and a part of the Foundry family for many years. She says this, quote, a lot of people are waiting for Martin Luther King or Mahatma Gandhi to come back. But they are gone. We are it. It's up to us. It's up to you. In this moment, when a new war has broken out, when racial, economic, and environmental injustice continues to thrive, when divisions grow wider and more fortified, and shadows of helplessness and hopelessness threaten to overtake us, in this moment, the voice of God speaks from a different kind of shadow, the overshadowing cloud at the mountaintop. And the voice of God calls us saying, listen to Jesus. And again and again, in a variety of ways, Jesus says to the disciples, says to us, it's up to you. You are called to proclaim in word and in deed the good news of God's kingdom, and to be agents of healing grace for bodies and for spirits. 
Jesus knew he was not long for this world. He knew he would be gone. And he started saying early on, it is up to you. You feed them. You heal the suffering children. You proclaim love and justice. You stand up to the bullies and the tyrants. You heal, mend, make gentle this bruised world. Jesus says it not to just one individual, but to us collectively and each in the collective as individuals. Marion Wright Edelman heard that call. Martin Luther King heard that call. Gandhi heard that call. They aren't the only ones. It's up to you and to me. You see, Jesus honors disciples through the ages, honors each one of us saying, I'm going away. Don't wait for me to come down the mountain or wait for me or any other leader to return before you Take up the work that is particularly yours to do. You are made to reflect the life of God, to embody the love of God, to shine with the courage, the peace, and the hope of God, just like Jesus. On this Transfiguration Sunday, we see a dazzling Jesus on the top of the mountain. The word translated dazzling is the Greek exestrapto, which means, quote, to flash or gleam like lightning, be radiant. And all the stories surrounding this mountaintop moment reveal to us an important truth. Jesus isn't the only one made to dazzle, to gleam like lightning or to shine. We can make excuses, but we're all made to shine like Jesus. To reflect the life of God and truly dazzle in the way of Jesus doesn't just happen. That's been a theme for us, for our reflection since the beginning of January. And each Sunday, we have reflected together on our communal covenant, our shared life, and on the practices that make up our covenant with one another in this community. Practices like those that Ed so powerfully spoke of this morning. We have been reminded that all these practices, prayers, presence, gifts, service, witness, that all these things are ways that we grow in grace and in the capacity to live, love, and serve more like Jesus. We don't do any of it alone. Spirit empowers and guides us, and we support one another on the way. I've been hearing lately from some folks that have been separated from congregational life and the habit of regular worship. And they've been saying to me that if they have come back, things feel really strange upon return. The weirdness of what we do and how we do it, it's weird, right? It's kind of weird compared to everything else in the world. And evidently, once you've been apart from it and you come back, you're like, huh, And they're saying that they find themselves 
asking whether there's any point to regular engagement in spiritual community. I mean, what possible difference does it make in a moment of tragedy and madness such as this one? I understand this, and I wonder what I would be feeling and doing were I not in the role and vocation I inhabit. But I must say that the Wesleyan way of personal and social holiness and transformation, of disciplined practices with an emphasis on grace, the insistence upon authentic connection with others who share the path, this way of living faith, hope, and love, I am persuaded it makes a difference. It can be a life-sustaining resource in moments when we are on the edge, when we are in grief, when we are in suffering or confusion or feel lost. It can form and inform persons who understand that it is up to us to carry and shine the light of God's love and justice in our lives and in the world, wherever we are and through whatever means are available to us. It can strengthen us to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. I am persuaded that our life together matters, that our communal witness matters, that our best efforts, even when we aren't at our best, matter. And I know this may feel exhausting, perhaps especially today, because the realities of the world are so heavy. The disciples didn't think that they could do what they were called to do, what Jesus had told them that they could do. Even they got tired and weary. They didn't believe. They didn't realize yet that we've all been made to dazzle, to gleam like lightning. And as I've struggled myself over the past weeks and, dare I say, months to hold on to Jesus' call to be brave, to be hopeful, to be and to share myself fully with and for others, to, to keep showing up and doing what I can, where I can. In the midst of all of that, I have drawn energy and encouragement from all of you. I've drawn energy and encouragement from our shared life and practice. And I've shared encouragement and drawn energy from a song by Katy Perry. Let's just be real. A song that came out almost 12 years ago, but a song timeless in its message. It feels to me like gospel. Maybe you know the song. Do you ever feel like a plastic bag drifting through the wind, wanting to start again? Do you ever feel, feel so paper thin like a house of cards? One blow from caving in. 
Do you ever feel already buried deep? Six feet under screams, but no one seems to hear a thing. Do you know that there's still a chance for you? Cause there's a spark in you. You just got to ignite. Do you know it? The light and let it shine. Just on the night, like the fourth of July. Cause baby, you're a firework. Go and show them what you're worth. Make them go. As you shoot across the sky. whose range is much much better than mine. Jesus calls us and gives us the grace to be a firework, to dazzle. It's always been inside of you, you, you. And now it's time to let it through The world needs us to shine. God needs us to shine. God needs you to shine. Jesus believes we're able, and so what, if anything, are we waiting for? Shine on together, my friends. Shine on.